This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And a good morning from the sous chef of the Garden Show, Frank Proctor. Nice to have you aboard. David Gaskin, big smile here this morning. He's so happy to be in here on a long holiday weekend. He just can't <laughs> stand it. What's cute about uh, Dave today is he got here so early, it was still extremely cold. Oh. He's got layers on. Like we're talking <laughs> woolies. Like, I'm saying, uh, Dave, well, it's going to be 25 degrees and beautiful and sunny. It's it's, it's really funny. In radio, yeah. there are guys who like a bright studio, you know, yeah, like yeah. I do. I like a lot of, yeah. all the lights on, all yeah, the lights yeah. on. Dave, on the other hand, dark. And he wears a hat sometimes, pulled right know. over his yeah. eyes almost. And, and he's got his long underwear on yes. underneath his, you know. Yes, with a little trap door at the back. I know. I it's just unbelievable. It's <laughs> very sweet. <laughs> anyway, good morning, We're everybody. on Dave, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Happy he's, May 2 40. That's the first voice you'll hear when you call in. And I must well do the phone numbers for the Garden Show yes, right now. Yes, good idea. Hey, Charlie. Oh, hook it all good together idea. there. Yeah. Okay, in Toronto, 416 360 740, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And when you call, say, hi, Dave, and <laughs> make him feel at home. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because he's, he's part of the show. He is. The happy troika Part here. of the team. Hmm. Well, now, here we are, long holiday weekend. Yes, indeed. Lots of stuff going on. Oh, you know it. Shall I begin? Gee, that was an open invitation. I thought you'd pick up like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Here we go. Today, remember how it's been plant sales. Lots and lots. Oh, so yeah. today, the Burlington Horticultural Society is holding their gigantic plant sale. It includes perennials, annuals, gardening books, magazines, used tools, baking, and a limited number of named Chinese peonies. So that's happening right now in the parking lot in front of the Central Library at 2285 New Street in Burlington. Hmm. Bob Shepard just told me there was a, a bear shot in Burlington. Yeah, was yeah. It, when was that? A couple of days ago. I'm, I missed that. I was like, what? Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for bears and go shopping <laughs> uh, in Burlington for plants. Uh, next Saturday, the New Market Hort Society is holding their annual plant sale. It all starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon at the New Market Community Center, which is 200 Doug Duncan Drive in Newmarket. There'll be a wide variety of healthy perennials, annuals, herbs, shrubs, and indoor plants. All the plants are grown by society members and are available at, bar- at bargain prices. So shop early for the best selection. Also next Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is holding their annual fundraising plant sale. So you know, They're all over the place. Don't line up at a garden center <laughs> this weekend. You know, hold off and or you know, go today to Burlington or check out Scarborough Newmarket next Saturday. Uh, of course, Scarborough uh, will be 
Uh, and this year at the plant sale, it not only includes plants, but wildflowers, native plants, a bake sale, and again, much more. So Scarborough Village Community Center, indoors at 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Okay, remember how we finished off last week? <clears throat> we how had we a call. Off last week? What, what happened there? <clears throat> oh, yeah, you don't remember. No, I... <laughs> You Once just, this shows over, I erase yeah, all memories. I was say, you, have so, yeah. you do so many shows. I mean, <laughs> our last caller was Margaret calling from Hamilton about snakes. Well, that's right. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So since then, I've had all kinds of people come up with all kinds of snake tips, how to eliminate or scare snakes away. So Pat in Burlington sent a quick email and said that she moved to her garden about five years ago. She's got fields nearby, and she had many snakes. Someone said to put crushed eggshells down, which didn't work very well. Mm -hmm. So instead, what Pat did is she had a very, she doesn't know what kind of plant, but a very thorny plant. So I guess it could be a rose or a barberry or something that's Mm -hmm. very thorny on the property. So she cut twigs. She stripped the leaves off, cut the little twigs into lengths and put them into all the cracks and crannies in amongst the rocks and wherever snakes may habitat, you know, may They wouldn't like that, no. She said it worked like a charm. She said the snakes will not crawl over these sharp twigs and so they moved off somewhere else. Well, put yourself in their their position. Here you are and just picture you crawling nude through the rocks and there's all sorts of thorny things there. Yeah, that would hurt. That That would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Very clever. That's right. So that's Pat's tip. Also, a couple of callers, there was some callers, uh, I think, phoned into reception listeners and said that I guess you can wish away snakes by laying ropes down. And I bet you that's got something to do with the snake thinking it's another snake. If you lay coiled ropes. Anyway, that one's a bit of a questionable one. So. That'd be a pretty stupid snake. You know, really? <clears throat> oh, it's a mute snake. It doesn't say anything. No hissing going on there. <laughs> it's got, well, it's not many snakes hiss, <laughs> or only under duress. I have a artificial, I use artificial snakes and artificial lizards in my garden to... Um, scare people. <laughs> people, yeah. It actually do scare people, but they're not really there to scare people. They're there to scare away, you know, birds and things oh, that might... Because okay. uh, my cat will be eating the birds, so I'm trying to... Uh, the small children love it, though, eh? Kids come from miles around to find all the creatures that are hidden in the underbrush of my garden. Uh, another suggestion was laying mothballs to keep snakes away. I'm not a big fan of that one. I don't really like the idea of mothballs. Yep. Well, I'm afraid that mothballs look too much like candies, like mints. Oh, yes. And that if you lay mothballs out in the open area, yep, yep. all you need is one small child walking by thinking it's edible. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not a big fan of that. And then I also got something off the internet, so I'll tell you more about that. But just before we go to our break, I want to re- tell everybody, we do have a special guest joining us on the half hour, Marjorie Harris, the uh, author and most recent author. Her newest book is called Thrifty Gardening from the Ground Up, and she's going to talk to us about what's going on in her garden this weekend and about her new book. Hey, we'll look forward to that. All righty. Well, David has been really hard at work. We've got uh, the callers are jammed on the lines there, and we'll get back to them in just a moment here on The Garden Show from AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
And the old sous chef, Frank Proctor, bidding you not welcome. Not old. You're not well, old. No, I am not. You I'm... are the undergardener, though, and Thank you're a you. fine sous chef. I am the... Uh, yes. <laughs> well, now you've flummoxed me here. Uh, I was just into a really nice, tight little segue. And That's why I you, you just jumped on you. Threw, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, then. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Evelyn, in Toronto, calling about African violets. Is that true? Hello, Evelyn. Hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Dave has a lovely, welcoming voice. Oh, doesn't he? I love yeah. your show. He's a sweetheart. Okay. I've had an African violet. It was blooming really great. Had it for maybe three years. And suddenly, one day out of the blue, its leaves, the tips of its leaves started getting soft and brown. And it just went through the whole plant, and like all the leaves disappeared. So they just died. There's like and then the wilted. one next to it, which was a younger plant and had, didn't have flowers yet, and its leaves all turned yellow. And then, they, like, they didn't get soft, but they turned yellow. Well, okay, so I think you've got a couple of things going on. When the leaves turn yellow on an African violet, it's usually, I find, because it's in too much sun. Oh, okay, Where, that could be, yeah. I thought it needed quite a bit of sun. It doesn't, eh? No, and, and what happens, of course, is that the, you know, eastern or southern window that we might be using in the wintertime is way too bright, not eastern, yeah. but southern is way too bright yeah. uh, in the summer, like too yeah. hot. No, I face north, but okay, I put good. it in the window that gets the most sun because I thought they needed quite a bit of light. Bright and indirect is fine. So it could, they don't need direct sunlight on the plant, but they do yeah. want to be in a bright spot. Yeah, no, they'll never get direct light. Yeah, because yeah, north. you're truly north. Well, but usually in the summer, we, you know, we get the sun coming around late in the day or early in the morning into uh-huh. those north windows, yeah. depending on sort of if you're exactly on the compass. Yeah. But so that's the thing I find. Now, the other is, have you fertilized them at all? No. All right. Now, they do like to be fertilized. And, of course, we fertilize all, both our garden plants and our indoor garden plants Uh in the spring because we expect them to be actively growing because the days are longer. Mm -hmm. There are special African violet foods out there. So feel free to mix some of that up and follow the instructions and water with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, when a plant, like an African violet, collapses, when it just, the leaves just turn to limp and droopy, it's one of two things. One is it's very, very dry and it needs water. Yeah. Or you feel the soil. If it's wet, it's been overwatered. Yeah, that's it. That's so why I stopped watering. I thought it was overwatered. So I stopped watering and it still looked the same. Then I watered again and it didn't change at all. Well, so, but when it did that limp thing, what was the soil like at that point? Dry. I think I, I water from the bottom and usually you know, the top is usually dry. Well, or even the weight of the pot, right? Feel the oh, weight of the pot. Mean, yeah, it could be in the bottom, yeah. Um, so that's that's my one thing. I mean, uh, it's always a trick underwatering, overwatering, because the <laughs> symptoms tend to be exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. I let my African violets go pretty dry, though. I, I wait till the pot is very, very light and and even let the leaves get a bit of soft and limpness to them Uh and then water thoroughly Uh the disadvantages of leaving them to the really dry point is that you will really uh, minimize your flower production if you do that to to maintain good flowers you don't want to let the plant get to the wilting point Mm -hmm. so right now just feel the weight of the pot if it's got any weight to it just leave it alone if it's bone dry you know super light uh, give it some water and see what happens see if it bounces back Overwatered plants can come back, but you do have to let them dry right out yeah. to try and, you know, get some more uh, roots growing. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yep. Thank you very much good for stuff. your help. Thanks for your call. Bye. Thank you, Evelyn. Uh, pleasure to have you on the show on this long holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a, a break coming up very shortly here. <clears throat> so rather than going to a call and having to rush like crazy, let's uh, tell Valerie to hold on. We'll be with her in just a moment while I get ready to... Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Dis- ah. Well, not quite disrobe, Please, but no. change my costume into... Mm. 
the uh, cape. I've got the cape. Do you? Yes, yes. yes. And the, it's, the latex. It, I mean, the... <laughs> no, no, not the latex one. Oh, oh no, no, the SS. Yes. Yep. Here he comes, and you're wondering why Sierra he's... Sill, Superman, Super Sierra Sill. I'm man. doing my exercises. All right. Well, you know what's going on here. Frank and I, in an effort to stay active and silly and <laughs> pain-free, uh, utilize a very natural, completely natural mineral supplement called Sierra Sill from the Sierra Mountains. It uh, it's it's great. Like it works for most people. Uh, the idea is that if it doesn't work for you, you'll know within 14 days that this uh, is not helping you to feel more active and joints trouble-free, pain-free is the main thing. So whether it's gardening or golfing or kickboxing or flying through the air, rescuing maidens in distress like Frank does, you need your <laughs> Sierra Sill. So for more information, you can call them at one eight seven seven joint 14 You can also check them on the web, sierrasill.ca, or pick it up at your local health food store, like the Big Carrot on Danforth Avenue in Toronto. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor here, uh, getting out the phone numbers and getting the folks on the air. Like Valerie in Markdale. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning. Morning. Um, I was wondering... With a regular begonia, can you keep them over in the fall? Yes, by ensuring that they're in the house prior to frost. Okay, so how would you fertilize them all summer? Or? Uh, you can The trick, yes, you can fertilize them right up until about the end of August. And then the days are getting shorter and the plant will naturally slow down and you must let that happen. Uh, it will, and when you bring it in, of course, you'll go into a sunny spot in your house, which will still be much less light than it was getting outside. So it's unlikely to do a lot of flowering throughout the, the winter, but it may come in with flowers on it and flower through the early fall and then just hunker down and be a little green plant for the winter and then start to, to come back again post-Christmas. You know, around about February, March, you'll start to fertilize again. And would you put it where it's cool for the winter or? It would depend whether you were bringing it in to be a dormant plant or a house plant. Because you can bring in a Rieger begonia and, and f- go for full dormancy uh, with, the, with the tuber. So that's the other thing. I mean, you, you have two options. With so many of the tropicals, you can bring them in to just let them shut down, spend the, the winter in a dark, cool spot, and wake them back up as the days get longer, or put them on a windowsill and care for them as house plants. So they grow from the tuber? Yep. The regrowing? Yes, they do. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you, Valerie. Uh, Thanks for joining us here on our uh, holiday edition of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and Elizabeth on the line from Toronto. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Morning. Uh, uh, Just the previous call about Mm overwatering, I have a common house orchid. Uh, It's in its third cutting. Uh, It's been cut three times, and uh, this time... I overwatered, mm-hmm. definitely. Okay. And I uh, roots are probably mushy, but the plant is still healthy, although the leaves are limp mm-hmm. and um, and uh, falling, not falling, but limp. yeah, they go and limp and not pale and shiny anymore. Right. Uh, my question is, um, how can I dry out the roots to keep it alive? It's actually a great question, and you can do it. Uh, 
I know Frank's eyebrows no, are I'm, popping up. I'm thinking of the Dyson hand dryers they've got now in washrooms. <laughs> Man, you, you stick that down there. No, wow, it'll dry be dry. In seconds. Yeah. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> no. Instead, oh, okay. <laughs> funny where Frank's just a thought. brain just a thought. goes. Eh? What I would do <laughs> is I would unpot the orchid. Like get a piece of, lay out some newspaper, unpot the orchid. Depending on what it's growing in, it could be in moss, it could be in bark, it could be in styrofoam, it could be in a lot of different mediums. Uh, you're going to lay, like, lay it on its side on this newspaper. Uh, with your fingers, carefully loosen the roots, remove whatever is, is in amongst the roots there. You're going to expose the roots by doing all that. And at that point, smell the roots. If they smell soggy and swampy, you'll know, as just as you do know, that it's been too wet for too long. Mm-hmm. And then with some very sharp secateurs or, or scissors, you'll start trimming away any black roots, any dark brown roots, any mushy roots. So you're going to trim, 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 trim. Uh, then what's going to be left, hopefully, will be some, some pale yellow or ivory or white or even some green roots will be left behind, which are still firm and healthy looking. Mm-hmm. Then you'll put the plant back into the pot, perhaps with a drier medium. It just kind of depends what you discover when you lay this whole thing out. Uh, you know, whether you get some fresh bark to, to put the whole thing back together in. Because that's really what's going to happen. If, if it's too wet for too long, the rot will set in and you have to stop the rot by eliminating it and cutting it all out. And, and then would I water the soil at that time? Okay, so it's not soil. <clears throat> well, the, the medium. The, yeah, the medium, whatever Sorry. it might be that you put it into. Yes. You actually would water very sparingly at that point. It's yes. likely, yes. Particularly oh. if it's a dry, like if it's a brand new dry product that you're putting it into. Mm-hmm. If what it was already growing in is reusable mm-hmm. and it's still quite moist, then yes. no, I wouldn't. Right? Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> it's worth a try. You can often rejuvenate. If it's a healthy, vigorous plant, it will often outgrow that that what happened there. Appreciate your answer. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you. Uh, next on the line is we uh, get, let's see, 927. Okay, we can one more call here. Uh, Anne with an E from uh, Simcoe. Hi, good morning, Anne. Hi. Good I morning. feel like singing ice cream right now uh, from uh, Anne of Green Gables. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go for it. You yeah. want to sing yeah, that? Right. Ice cream <laughs> is anything more delectable. Okay. Uh, no, I'm I sorry. No, I didn't expect that. No, no, nor did <laughs> I come to think of it. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. <laughs> Um, I just have a question. Mm-hmm. It's about a braided hibiscus standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two of them, actually, and I brought them in, and, and they did really well until, I don't know, I trimmed them back, and the one is still doing really well, but the other one, um, there's new growth, like, at the very bottom of the plant, mm-hmm. but where the branches are, it looks like it's going to get new leaves, mm-hmm. and then they sort of turn brownish yellow, and curl mm-hmm. and they don't turn into a mm. green leaf. Okay, so these plants were inside all winter and when did you cut them back? I cut them back in March. March, which makes sense. And when you did your cutting back, did you leave any leaves on the plant at all or were they basically just sticks at that point? Um, there were a few leaves. Okay, which is good. You do always want to leave a few leaves even if it means leaving the plant one-sided temporarily oh, okay. because it can't photosynthesize without leaves. Okay. So we always want to leave a couple of leaves, and then once new leaves start to sprout, 
perhaps on the side where we did our cutting, then we can turn around and cut the other side and bring that back. Okay. Uh, if it's a case where there's no leaves right in the center, like if every leaf is on the tip and all our cutting means removing all the tips, I do the, the, the two-step process like that. Okay. Um, at this point... <clears throat> It, okay, so the plants, one has survived this whole process well, the other one not so well. No, like it, it looks like it is going to shoot out new leaves, but mm. then like I say, they just, they get quite tiny yeah. and they curl and then that's, they don't ever... Yes, I mean, there's life in the plant, right? The the plant wants to grow. So what is stopping it when it starts like that? So you've got it in lots of light. Yes, I moved it outside, actually, um, just a few days ago. Okay. Like, it's not right in the sun. I've got it sort of protected. Excellent. And make sure it's protected from the wind as well. Okay. Because the wind and any cool temperatures are stressful. So the plant is already under stress in its effort to try and get some leaves out. So that might be partly what's going on there. It's just in a little bit of a shock for going outside. Okay. So every time it tries to pop a couple of leaves, it, it just goes, oh, this is no fun at all. Yeah. And then, you know, hunkers back down. But so, it did that actually even in the house. Yeah. I had it in a sunny window mm-hmm. and it would do that. Kept doing that. And the pot sizes are similar. They, oh, they yes. were they're, repotted. I got the two at the same time and they're Okay. Uh, and they, when was the last time they were repotted, fresh soil? I haven't repotted them at all. Okay. And that's how many, just two years you've had? Uh, no, it's probably about four years. Hmm. Well, so should I repot? I mean, that's a thought too. Hibiscus are so vigorous, right? The, I've had it where you pull the hibiscus out of the pot and it's solid root. There's virtually no soil left because no. the, the roots have filled the pot. Okay. And, and so at that point, it's either get a bigger pot to get some soil in there or slice away some of those roots and back into the same pot again with some soil because it is so important that that be part of the, you know, a happy growing plant. Okay. I mean, again, stressful to do that. So if the plant is under stress, I hesitate to recommend that as your first thing to do. Right. Make sure it's not suffering for lack of water. No. Uh, and, and like keep... I've tried both. I've, I've thought, well, maybe I'm not watering it enough, but I mean, I do them both the same. So. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, remember, it, it, every time you cut back, you are try- it, it's a hormonal thing that happens. So you're trying to force out dormant buds that are there on the plant under the bark. There are little bumps on the stems. Yes. Yeah. So if the last time you cut, everything kind of started and shriveled, it's time to get your pruners out and cut again. Oh, okay. okay. Because that's what's going to force it out of dormancy. It oh. is in this prolonged dormant state and you need to wake it up and that's going to be how you do it. But do, hold off on the fertilizer and hold off on repotting until you've got some leaves growing. Okay. Because I do, like at the very base, there are a few, like there healthy looking leaves. I know and those are the ones you don't want because it'll be a bush. Yeah. So you actually, I know, I hate to say this, those ones you really want to remove. The okay, question, I wondered about that. Yeah, you want to remove those because a lot of energy is going into growing those roots. You oh, want okay. the energy to go up to the top. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That's okay. good. Okay. Oh, super question, Anne. Thank you very much Thanks for calling for in. Call. And I really enjoy your show. I listen every Saturday morning. Oh, oh great. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Thanks for sharing a coffee or a cup of tea with us as yeah. you uh, make your way toward the weekend. And I am busy right now rolling out the red carpet because we have a special guest. We yes, do. Yes, just a minute now. Oh, oh you geez. get that. I know. I have this rolled up busy. in the corner. You're and, great. But, okay, okay, so joining us, Frank, you've never met Marjorie Harris, but Marjorie no. Harris is joining us. Now, she is an author who has been writing... Gosh, forever, 30, 40 years, so well. 
she's one of my most favorite authors because when she writes what you read, it's like she's sitting there talking to you. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. she's like always like just really, really comfortable. And of course, gardening has become her passion. I think she'll tell us a little bit. But I think she trained in journalism, but became a hobby gardener who became a garden writer. And she's got a new book out, and that's one of the reasons she's joining us to tell us about her latest book. Gee, Marjorie, you've got a lot to live up to. Here. <laughs> Morning, Marjorie. (laughs) What a a lovely way to start a weekend. (laughs) And what a weekend it's going to be. Fabulous. Absolutely fantastic. Check that weather. You know what I'm doing after the radio show. (laughs) You bet. The minute minute I'm gone, I'm out there. I bet. Well, we'll talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing in your garden, because I would like to, to talk about that. But first of all, this is Frank. Hi, Marjorie. Hello, Frank. Yeah, nice to meet you. Frank is my sous chef, and uh, he's always happy to, to jump in and, and uh, ask silly questions, so be prepared. <laughs> but I, I, um, I just want to say that your newest book, it kind of threw me off. The title is Thrifty Gardening from the Ground Up. And yet yes. when I started reading the book, I realized it, it is about being thrifty, but it's about everything about gardening. It's about every yeah. kind of garden, and right from the get-go, it's from beginning to end really end of anybody's gardening experience. Well, it's great. You know, it's, I, I sort of reflect, all my books reflect whatever stage I'm at. Yes. And I'm heading towards the twilight years. And I thought, and it, again, I, I, I want to encourage young people mm-hmm. to start mm-hmm. when they start looking at, their, at buying a house. So mm-hmm. I, go, I start there mm-hmm. because... If you don't think about your garden when you're starting to buy a house, uh, it's going to get lost in the shuffle of mm-hmm. expensive faucets. Exactly, and appliances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, and then selling houses. Mm-hmm. People forget that the garden means something when yeah. you're selling a house. The it value could mean a lot less than you think. Right. That reflects <laughs> you know, a well well tended home. I guess yeah. that it mm-hmm. adds twenty percent of the value to your mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. But boy, if you have a swimming pool. Mm. <laughs> Think about it twice. Not so much. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, and and then you talk about the idea of, and as you point out, the getting older, and of course, Frank and I can both attest to this. The, those knees start to get a little on the stiff side. So it's the idea of making our gardens easier as we get older. I, I I was joking with some friends a few days ago. You know, gone are the days when, as soon as the sun was shining and the gardening weather was good, I was out sunrise to sunset, banging stuff in and out of the garden. Now, whew, four hours now and I'm toast. Stop and think carefully. <laughs> How many am I going to get in today? Exactly. Yeah. Where am I going? But where am I going to take my I breaks? That's why we become wiser and better gardeners. That's right. We are not just throwing stuff at the ground. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about very carefully about what to put in. Mm-hmm. Like I'm putting in a lot more evergreens. Yes. I find and 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 plants that will stay evergreen like hellebores. Mm-hmm. Now these are expensive plants. So you might not think that's thrifty. But they will last for a lot longer than I will. They uh, give pleasure all year round. Absolutely. And you have to take that into account when you're thinking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. being thrifty. Yeah. It's, not, yeah. it's not like a lot of perennials. They'll just sort of disappear into the ether, as it were, at, yeah. at, and go into dormancy during winter. I want something that's 
that's going to give that's going to really make my heart sing for for the whole time the whole year absolutely and and you're right about the evergreen idea because they add structure to our gardens mm-hmm. uh year round obviously they fill spaces and require very little care uh and this is assuming that we have fixed our soil first we've got absolutely good Boy, soil do i emphasize that yeah. well, i do in all my books but especially yeah. in this book because you might as well not bother gardening yeah. unless you are going to fix your soil first mm-hmm. Prep it properly and to the right depth, and and know what know what you've got. Yep, that's right. Know, you know your you've got site. A shady garden. Yeah. Do not try and do <laughs> something that's yeah. going to require eight hours of tomatoes. Sunday, yeah, like grow vegetables, perhaps. Exactly. And you know, in your book too, you even talk about balcony gardeners and rooftop gardeners and terrace gardeners. And Frank is yeah, a balcony I, I'm dweller. I'm sitting here waiting with bated breath. Just had a worm. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, no, um, about uh, the gardenia plant that uh, was talking to uh, Charlie yeah, about last Frank week. Frank wants to get one of those gardenias. <clears throat> Remember when we were at the Loblaws event, Marjorie? Uh, yes, yeah, they're gorgeous. I, they smell great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I took one home for my mom for her birthday, and she loves it. And now Frank wants well, one. Well, I even called Charlie the other day on her cell and said, well, what's the name of that plant we got talking about? There's so he's gardenia, Frank. And I told my wife, well, I just laughed. She said, <laughs> what, what plant are you going to kill now, Frank? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but well, I've made up my mind I'm going to try it, and you have to water it every day. Just, yeah. I mean, just to, you know, yeah, you see, now you have to be prepared to be a good parent mm-hmm. to a ah, like yes. that. Okay. And if you're not, forget it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing that will help out a plant is if you get some really good compost, uh-huh. put around a little bit around the top. You don't have to fer- worry about fertilizing it and whatnot. Or make compost tea for it. Oh. And this is, this, this is getting an old sock or bag or something or other and, and sticking some compost in a, ba- in a pail of water. Yeah. And uh, just leave it for a day or two, and all the goodness will come out. You take that, cut it in half, and you've got a really good, um, you've got compost tea. Yeah, natural fertilizer. We've had, we had a question last week. Pretty thrifty, too. Exactly. Very thrifty. Thrifty. Free. (laughs) Free. (laughs) Free tea. I like that. (laughs) What you see, a thrifty gardener is going to be cheap about something like that. And then go out and spend all the money that she or he has yeah. on, on hellebores. Yeah, and beautiful evergreens. Typical, well, hey, you even talk about gardener. dumpster diving and scrounging uh, and no yard kidding. sales and, and just finding found things, reusing, recycling in this book, which is obviously extremely thrifty. Oh yeah, I've been I've been a garbage collector for years, and uh, and and in in the in in the olden days that would be ten years ago. Um, <laughs> it it was amazing on Wednesdays. We had put you know people would put out big things on Wednesdays, yeah. And I'd be fighting off the, the secondhand stores. <laughs> grab I got that first. Running home to get your wagons, you could carry it, yeah, things absolutely, back. Absolutely, <laughs> and a lot of the things I've had in my garden have been there mm-hmm. for years. Stuff you, my kids found when they were little, or well, made. You, know, you hide it in the garden yeah. every so often. <laughs> That's it right. surfaces. That's right. It's like those Christmas ornaments the kids made, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So your garden has you. How long have you lived in your house? Well, since 1967. Right. And so it has been lovingly cared for and ever since then. Many it was renditions. All weeds. I got all the weeds out. Yeah. Then I realized, oh, I had absolutely wonderful soil because. <laughs> I'm on a floodplain, mm. so that means every spring oh my. it floods. Mm. So all of those nutrients rise to the surface, they feed the, the garden, and normally it floods 
in March. Not this year. Not this year. <laughs> there has been no rising of the ground level water. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I I may actually have to water my garden, and this is a rare event for me. Yeah, in the spring, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, it's just like a desert out there. Yeah. yeah. So people have got to be really, really careful, and 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 get out there this weekend and check your trees, mm-hmm. as, and your city tree, by the way. Yeah. And get some buckets of water out to these plants because a lot of them are suffering. And you can see it. You can see the the leaves are soft because they're still young and new, but you can see them hanging limp uh, uh, in the urban environment Mm -hmm. in my yard. I mean, I could see that. You know, the dogwood leaves, they were flagging. Like everything. Flagging. Absolutely. You know, they just get that look. And tell you when they need your help. That's right. Respond almost immediately to these things. And you don't have to just stand there with your hose. No. I I really, really think the bucket of water, going out and having a bucket of water and taking it and gently putting Mm -hmm. it around plants so Mm -hmm. that the water will go below the root system. That's right. Percolate down. We don't want to throw it up in the air. Through the mulch you've got on there, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, so what are you doing uh, in your garden this weekend? Okay, I'm taking out all of the garlic that I allowed to... Oh, I let some <laughs> garlic last year flower, uh-huh. and I have now got a little garlic farm back there. So I've got I've got to take all of those out. Garlic, and what I thought I would do this weekend, because the nurseries are all crazy, they're yeah, way too busy. Stay away. Yeah. Is I'm going to pick a number of different plants and remove them from my garden. Uh-huh. The geraniums that go everywhere. The perennial geraniums. Perennial yeah, geranium, yeah. like it just goes everywhere. Yeah. So that by next week, when the nurseries will be sane again, uh-huh. I will have all sorts of prepared spots for new plants. New holes, new spots, yep. new spaces. Good idea. And what will you do with all the plants you dig up? You put them at the end of the driveway and free to a good home? I the street and they're gone before you can uh, even bat an eye. I was going to say. I want to put signs on them saying, highly invasive plants, but I figure <laughs> anybody who's going to grab them probably already knows that. <laughs> I know. I always put a sign as free to a good home. <laughs> Emphasis on the word good. <laughs> Only a good home. And good luck. <laughs> but you know, Nomar Jai, while you've been speaking to Charlie, I've been just breezing through your book, and the perfect compliment that Charlie gave you at the top of the show mm-hmm. was the fact that you write just as if you're sitting down mm-hmm. having a, a nice chat. And uh, I just opened up uh, under the section here on page 185, The Perfect Tree. And uh, let me just quote a little bit. I'm crazy for trees. In my little garden, I've planted dozens of them, and I'll keep on planting more till I run out of space. That, but see, that, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a good read. It's uh, a great read. Marjorie's so a great many, writer. Uh, so many oh, wonderful things. Thank you. Things. That's really, really kind of you. I hope people buy this book. My poor little orphan books, as I call them. <laughs> it would be really nice if they went out to bookstores. It would be really nice if there were bookstores for them to go out and buy it at. That's right. So is that something that people can pick up at Indigo, I imagine, right? Yes, I hope. Uh, and um, and I, have, I hope the, indi- the independent stores are carrying yeah. it as well. And uh, if not, they can always get it online from me. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. And I'll sign it. Hey, that's the best. Oh, and your so website online here. online from yeah. you. So oh, give us your... Oh, com. That's M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S yeah. dot, com. dot com. So there you are. Yep. And so, I'm actually going to blog this weekend and pe- start paying attention to... Everything. I've been yeah. so busy gardening <laughs> that for, in other people's gardens that uh, I barely had time to, to, to look after the, <laughs> the website, which, as you know, yes. is like a character in a very demanding one. I know. It's like who's, when, you're, when you've got lots to say, who's got time to say it uh, exactly. in front of the computer? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> well, have a great weekend, Marjorie. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Real pleasure oh, talking to you, Marjorie. It's been a pure pleasure. And, Lovely to uh, see you. And I certainly On recommend radio, as it were. Your, your book. Yes, exactly. Great to see you and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Take care. Thank you. Right. Bye for now. Nine nine forty three here on the show. That was really interesting. I know. She's lovely great. lady, huh? I know. Wow. Gardeners are the best. I'm always telling you that, and you look at me like I'm just full of, you know, my usual. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> whatever. We, we almost got to the fertilizing part again, <laughs> didn't we? All right. But gardeners are the best. They're the friendliest, most passionate, most interesting people out there, if you ask me. <laughs> of course, you're not biased at all. No. Not at all. But I'll tell you something. I'm looking at the clock yes. here, going. You know, there are folks waiting online to yes. talk to you about other matters or mm. a continuation of other things. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we have to pay the bills. You yes. Know, we do. So and one of those bills that we uh, count on yes. to uh, to pay us yes. is a, a little check that will be coming in from Sierra Sill. That's right. Yeah. Boomers who want to uh, want freedom to maintain their favorite activities and of course for me that's the gardening up and down <laughs> on my knees and the pruning, etc. So wanting to maintain your favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness you'll find that Sierra Sill can really help with any of those aches and pains. Frank, who's not a gardener, of course, you know, flies around and does good works, uh, does a little kickboxing, dreams about golfing, you know, the usual. And uh, so he finds Sierra Sill makes his life easier and more pain-free as well. So for Sierra Sill information, you can go to their website, sierrasill.ca you can give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 or pick up Sierra Sill at any of the all the Whole Foods markets daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias forsythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks flocks hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio am 740 well, well, well. Seems I've tripped on the root there and fallen on my horse right here in an English country garden. Lovely. Yes. <laughs> what was that problem? How long have we had that one going, Dave? Uh, a while, that, actually. That, that promo, a long while? Yeah, oh, my gosh. haven't paid attention. No, I haven't paid attention. Dorothy, I'm going to pay attention to you. Calling in from Burlington. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Uh, yes. Uh, I have uh, uh, taken some leaves from my uh, African violets and just... Uh, poke them down in some earth, mm-hmm. and uh, two of them have got babies. Uh, one had one little leaf uh, not long after, and, and now it has two, mm-hmm. and the other one sent a group up of about five all at once. Nice. Now, how do I care for those? <laughs> when do they get their own pot? Well, you're right, because as soon as you're able to handle those new little plantlets that are growing at the base of those big leaves will be the time to transfer to their own pot. Now, you'll want to use some little tools. You might want to use a couple, like a fork uh, and a popsicle stick, that kind of thing. But Uh prepare, just get some small pots. They can be right down to a two-inch size all the way up to a four-inch size. And you'll just carefully, um, and because you want to be very careful of the roots here, when you're lifting the plants out of the, the pots right now and into their own, you will also at that same time trim away the big monster leaf because you don't need that anymore. Yes. Okay. Good for you, though. Well, they seem to be all right. How often should I fertilize them? I give them miracle Grow. 
Well, I would, when they're that tiny, and of course they've got a very small root system and there's going to be a lot of soil in the pot to hold moisture and fertilizer, yeah. I would fertilize at the most once a month. I see. And I would stop that fertilizing at the end of August. That would be my last yeah. time to fertilize because, again, we'll, things will get start slowing down and the days will get shorter, yeah. and it's important that we don't have a fertilizer buildup in the pots. No. I only have a north-facing window. Perfect. Yeah, and uh, for the violets, so it's... Um, uh, and I hope they do all right. Yeah. I don't have great... Luck with with violets, but uh, oh, sounds like you're on the some of them going. Yeah, you're on the right track, and I'll tell you that's where my violets are. They're in a north window, and they're blooming like crazy. Uh-huh. Oh, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you, Dorothy. The, par- the parent ones are are blooming right now. Yeah, too. good. Yeah. yeah, it'll take a while for those little babies to get old enough to bloom. Yes, but... it will. All right, great. Well, but thanks it was such so a much. Group all at once. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the one pile. One leaf. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Very good. Thanks for calling in, Dorothy. Yeah, and thanks we'll, for uh, sharing. Keep, keep us on top of those violets, all right? Or not literally, of course. But anyway, <laughs> we've got to scoot along here to another caller, Robert, calling in from where it would be a beautiful location mm-hmm. today, boy, up in Kincardine, mm-hmm. along the uh, shores of Lake Huron. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, it was on the 5th of May, you had a fellow on from Loblaw mm-hmm. talking about a Hascap honeyberry. Yes. And he more or less said it'd grow in most anything. Well, when you, I bought some, uh-huh. and, and they say to plant it in perfect mix. I don't mind that. That is no problem. Then he goes on and says, needs tundra for fruit set. What's that telling me? Needs tundra, it says? It says, needs tundra for fruit set. Do I have to go way up north to <laughs> no. the tundra to plant the... No, no there must be a typo there. They, it needs... Um... A partner. It needs a different cultivar is what it needs uh, for I, fruit I bought set. two of them. Do Perfect. Cross, uh... Yeah, well, it's not so much the male and female. It's the they because these are unnamed. It's it's a new plant, rediscovered new plant, if you will. They were uh, identifying the three different cultivars by color. So uh, what you want okay. to make sure is that you got at least two different colored. Pots. I did. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And they're planted within a whatever, a few meters of each other. I think they say they four by four. So. Yeah, perfect. And a nice sunny spot, you're good yeah. to go. Well, I just wonder what this tundra, tundra. is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really now you've piqued my interest. I'm going to have to go into the store and read what the tag says. Because when I. The very last line on the tag, the very last, it yeah. tells about it. They have been like they're compared to raspberries and black currants yeah. and all these things, and they're so good. And then it says, needs. Tundra. 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 I was wondering if they would, they would tell me it's peat moss or something. No, no, it's it's because they're super hardy plants, and they were actually found or rediscovered, if you will, in northern Saskatchewan in, in tundra conditions. So I, I wonder if that somehow that got mixed up in the in the printing because it's the, as far as they know, this is a plant that is hardy to zone zero, which wow. you can't get much colder than that because we're in you know you're in zone four and a half, probably four where you are in Kincardine and six is where Toronto is. So, I mean, you know, it's pretty cold when you get up to zero. Yes. No, I, I just wondered what the tundra was. Uh, okay. <laughs> you might know. I will. Uh, like I say, I'm going to I'll we'll look into that. that. Yeah. Thanks so much for pointing Thanks, that out, Robert. Robert. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> All right. I'll send my scouts out on that. As we continue as the garden show, what's left it? Very quickly uh, coming to an end here. My gosh, we uh, will be back hopefully to have one more call uh, after these words on the garden show from AM 740. 
Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And it's the sous chef, Frank Proctor, saying hi to John in Mississauga. Hi, John. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Morning. A very interesting question, I think. A um, few years ago, I was told to put some Epsom salt in uh, at the bottom uh, when I'm planting tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Is that a fact? Or what does it do to the tomatoes? Actually, tomatoes love Epsom salts. Mm-hmm. Epsom salts are magnesium sulfate. Uh-huh. And magnesium is an uh, essential micronutrient. Uh, sulfur, not so essential, but it does need to be there in terms of modifying the pH of the soil. And yeah, Epsom salts, if you go, do you have access to the internet? Yes, yes, yes. If you go to the Epsom Salt Council of Canada, uh-huh. uh, and then you'll, they have a whole website for Epsom salt, uh-huh. and then it'll say uses or garden uses or something is one of the tabs. Click on that, and you will see uh, it'll give recommendations for the amount of Epsom salts to use based on the different plants that they recommend Epsom salts for. Mm-hmm. Tomatoes are a huge one, and so are roses. They roses, love Roses, Epsom. too? Yeah. Yeah, because I just, you know, I just put five roses. I had a couple of roses. A couple of years ago, I had some roses, and my wife took them out. Now we, well, now we bought them again, regardless. <laughs> um, my, my other quick question, because I know it's getting time. Um, eggshells, you know the mm-hmm. eggs? Yes. Right? I, I dry them, and then I put them, uh, actually, I've been doing this all winter, really. We had a great winter. Mm-hmm. Um, how about that? Uh, crushed up. Yes. And then you put those in the hole when you're planting? Well, I put them or... everywhere, and then I sort of uh, 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 it a little bit to okay. make it the first couple inches. Okay. Is that okay, too? It's great. You know, because remember why we, we always want to keep high levels or reasonable levels of calcium in the soil where uh-huh. we're growing our tomatoes is because we want to avoid blossom and rot, which is where the fruit turns to mush at the bottom and is completely inedible. The argue or the, the belief is that it's because of insufficient levels of calcium in the soil. And eggshells, of course, are wonderful because slowly but surely they will release calcium into the soil. Keep in mind that the other reason that we think blossom end rot happens is because of irregular watering. Mm-hmm. So do your best where you're growing your vegetables, particularly tomatoes, but with all your vegetables, you really want to avoid feast and famine when it comes to moisture levels. You want to try and have it as level as possible. Always have moisture available, uh, and and you know not a swamp. Rain has not been an issue. Uh, no, you, you would never the, do ice no. cubes on the garden. Oh, okay. No, no, no I guess not. Insufficient no. moisture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you love that ice cube thing. I do. Yeah, no. Outside the ice cubes would <clears> melt <throat> before you got them out to the garden. But uh, yeah, no. The soil is very dry, so whatever you're planting, you're watering, mm-hmm. and vegetables. We need to stay on them for the entire season. So that yeah. will be a challenge for some of us. Okay. But great idea. Good Thank use for eggshells. Thanks. Have a great weekend, both and, of you. And you too. Thanks Thank you, so much John. for your call. Okay. All right. Bye. Okay. Happy gardening. It's going to be a yeah. great weekend. All right. A couple of before we rush off. To, yes. Did you have something important you wanted no, to no, jump no. in? No, no, no. I had a couple of more uh, suggestions for s- eliminating snakes from the garden. Okay, snakes love to stay in cool places. They love to hide in cool places. So avoid tall grasses, wood, bricks, uh, and sacks that allow snakes places for hiding. Um, Also avoid keeping any of these things around in the garden. Uh, So that's an easy way to help eliminate snakes. 
remember as well, tall grasses attract insects such as grasshoppers. And when you have lots of grasshoppers and bugs and toads and frogs, you will attract snakes because they're going to want to come and eat all those grasshoppers and frogs. So keep things nice and cultivated and clean and short. You'll have fewer big uh, rodents and insects. Uh, the other one, this is a suggestion, I don't know if I believe it, peppermint plants growing on the corners of the property. The smell of mint doesn't attract snakes. I don't think snakes would care about the mint, but it, theoretically the mint, again, will keep the rodents out of the garden. Ah, so you okay. want to keep the rodents out, you'll keep the snakes out. All right. Hmm, that sounds reasonable, I suppose. It does. I like the, the, the thing where you get the thorns and put them, you know... In, into in, the cracks and into crannies. Into the cracks and crannies, yeah. yeah. Because if snake wouldn't find that, you'd be very comfortable at all. <laughs> yeah, I like the way you think like a snake. Well, yes. Ooh. <laughs> I've been accused of that from time to time. <laughs> I bet you have. So uh, have you ever had pigeons try and nest on your balcony? No. No, as Ma- a matter of fact, I haven't. Yeah, because remember we had that call a few weeks ago uh, from somebody, who, a caller who was having mm-hmm. a problem yeah. with that. And she mm-hmm. didn't want to put up netting because she thought it was going to mess right. up her view. Yeah. Ed Shepard sent a quick email. He said there, if you Google pigeon wire or something that's called Nixalite, N-I-X-A-L-I-T-E, Nixalite. Uh, this is a netting that's specifically designed to help keep, uh, to put up on balconies to uh, help with keeping the birds from nesting on your balcony. Just to let you know, though, I do it. There is a pigeon nesting on my son's basketball net. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, okay, you know what I'm going to do right after uh, I'm finished my work today? I'm yes. going to rip over to uh, the Loblaw store on... Uh, Queen's, Queen's Key, Key yep. and pick up a gardenia tree, yes. and I'm going to give it a try, despite my wife laughing like hell at me <laughs> attempting this. And I figured, what the big problem was, Charlie, was the fact that we're going to be taking some holidays this summer. Right. She said, well, what are we going to do? Oh, you neighbors. Let... Yes, indeed. Joe and Flo, who are my, our next-door neighbors, they're great people. Yeah. And I'm going to say, would you mind putting this out in your balcony and yeah. just giving me a little water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I'm sure they will. Hand it across to, from your yeah, balcony to their yeah. balcony. Great idea. Uh, well, well, we'll give it a good shot. luck with that, and, and I look forward to hearing more about your gardening exploits. Well, thank you. And thanks, Frank. Thank and you, Charlie. thanks, Dave. And thanks to all our great callers. I'll see you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.